Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. A lot going on in the world of sports. Wild and Rangers tonight in St. Paul. Can the Wild get it turned around? Timberwolves are at They get Oklahoma City. Boys Hockey Tournament gets started tomorrow in St. Paul. 1A. First game at 11 a.m. We'll have a preview later on. The number one seed, Hermantown. And then at uh, Thursday at 11 a.m., the 2A tournament gets started. The number one seed, Hill Murray. And we'll have a complete preview uh, about an hour from now. We'll visit with a couple of coaches, one from each bracket of the A and the AA. Golden Gold for men's hoop. They take on Penn State. Big Ten tournament. Wednesday night, 7.30 in Indianapolis. They are the number 14 seed. And quick note on the Golden Gopher men's team. I am not surprised that they ended up with the 14 seed. Based on what we knew in the offseason, Ben Johnson had to scramble, put together a team, had a lot of people leave. Uh... And they had a surprising non-conference season. The reality of the Big Ten schedule was is that it was going to be tough. And it proved to be very difficult. And they had some good wins on the road at Michigan early. Um, but they, they got blown out at Northwestern and really kind of a tough finish to the regular season. We'll see how they do in the Big Ten tournament. They'll play hard. I'm optimistic about the program going forward. I never felt good about Richard Pitino. I was not a fan of the hire. I thought it was a terrible hire. The only reason Richard Pitino got the job, he was Rick Pitino's son. He didn't have a track record. He didn't have a resume befitting of getting a Big Ten gig. Now you could say, well, what about Ben Johnson? Well, Minnesota guy, and has paid his dues along the way and has shown that he's been able to recruit. So in that respect, it's a better hire. Ultimately, you'll still need to prove it with wins and losses. The honeymoon 
won't last forever. It was like, and it's like with Lindsay Whalen. Lindsay Whalen's a living legend of Minnesota sports. High school career, collegiate career, uh, WNBA career, championships with the Lynx. It goes on and on. We are all familiar with Lindsay Whalen's resume. But even Lindsay Whalen would admit at some point she won't be able to live on that legacy forever. That eventually they will need to win, they will need to be competitive in the Big Ten. If if Iowa can win Big Ten titles, if Iowa can win Big Ten titles in women's basketball, should be able to do that here. And Lindsey Whelan will be judged on that. So it's still early. I, I agree with that take. Uh, but uh, the men's tournament gets started tomorrow night. We'll see how they play against Penn State. They are the number 11, Minnesota the number 14. We'll see if uh, they can get a W tomorrow night. Golden Gold for women's hockey. They will host NCAA first-round action Saturday at Ritter Arena. It'll be against either UMD or Harvard, depending on who wins their matchup. They will come to Ritter on Saturday afternoon. Golden Gold for men's hockey. Uh, they get Penn State in the Big Ten tournament uh, Saturday night, 8 o'clock, 3M Arena at Mariucci. If they win, uh, they would advance uh, to the Big Ten title game. We're going to make up to date on some of the headlines here locally. MLB. Uh, we were thinking about leading the show with MLB, but apparently players and owners continue to meet. Bob Nightingale of USA Today and is an Odyssey MLB insider. And I visited with Bob a number of times, sitting in for Mike Max or Henry Lake and on the weekends here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. His latest tweet, some positivity. Talks are still progressing. Key issues remain fluid. And it appears as if it could be an awfully long night of negotiations. And this gets back to what Chris Tubbs and I talked about in the opening segment of the program. No news is good news. Because we knew there was another arbitrary deadline set by the owners. And, I, and I've hated this. And, and everybody's got their own style and how they negotiate. I, I get that. But this idea, well, if we don't get a deal done on Tuesday, we're going to be forced to cancel another week of the regular season. Okay. I don't know how that helps. I think everybody can look at the calendar and realize that spring training has been delayed and that the start of the season will likely be delayed. Everybody knows that. And and I just don't know why uh, the owners and Rob Manfred need to remind everyone, including the players, if we don't get a deal done today, we're going to be forced to have to. And, and remember, it's their lockout. It's their lockout. They lock the players out, and then shame on them. They, they didn't do anything. I get it. You know, before the holidays, let's take a break. It was a long season. Let's cool off. But why not in early January? Let's try and get a deal done. And Chris Tubbs is our producer, and I know, Chris, you and I have talked about this over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And all the people I visited with have said the same thing. It didn't have to come to this. It, it didn't 
have to get to this point. This should have been done a long time ago. And I, I think one of the great points made, I visited with uh, my good friend Scott Miller, who's covered the major leagues for a long time, based in San Diego now, uh, worked for a lot of outlets over the years, CBS Sports, Bleacher Report, worked for the Pioneer Press, covered the Twins way back in the 90s. And Scott's really plugged in. And what's so crazy about this is, if they get a deal, say they get a deal done tonight, and they announce it at 9 o'clock Central Time, we have the framework of a deal. Mm -hmm. As fans, we're going to look at that deal and say, this could have been done in December. This could have been done in January. We could have had pitchers and catchers report on time. We'd have spring training games right now, and we'd have opening day at the end of March, and the season would go on. That's what's so crazy about it, is that when they finally get a deal done, this is a deal that could have been done in December or January. It, it could have been, but at the same time, this to me, we, we watched this show Succession. It was a great show. Um, tell me if it's on like HBO Max or Apple, regardless. One of the things that they was talked about was the optics. They didn't care about what it was. It was just what did it look like. And to me, the optics on this was that the owners intentionally stalled on these negotiations, knowing that they could pressure or back the players into a corner by waiting until the very last minute, 10 days before. And then Rob Manfred came out with that phony baloney press conference where he's, you know, smirking like, the, you know, the, the cat that ate the canary. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, we're here. You know, I've been here for, you know, just a few days. This is what we're doing. He's got that, you know, grin on his face. To me, it was all premeditated. It, it feels like this was all part of leverage that the owners wanted to do to make the players look bad. And I feel it's really unfortunate because nobody is more out of touch with their fans than the owners of Major League Baseball. There's no other sport that is more out of touch and, and naive to the workings of their fan base than the, the Major League Baseball owners. And, and it, it, it looks bad. I do appreciate that they are actually putting in a significant amount of effort tonight because at the end of the day, I, I believe that they both want baseball. They don't want April baseball. So you're just going to add these games, double headers to the end of the schedule. Fine. Do what you need to do. But to me, yeah, waiting until the, the last minute, it was all about the optics and the optics were really, really bad for the owners. Yeah. And I, I think the, the idea that you were going to play games with the lockout, you were going to stall and you were going to put the start of the regular season and impact their paychecks, the players' paychecks. They don't get paid for spring training. They get paid when the real games start at the end of March or April. So they, they thought, okay, we're, we're going to test the will. But here's the thing about the Major League Baseball Players Association. Mm -hmm. And they, they've been unified for a long time. Now, most of the players... In the game, I don't think any of them were around for the last work stoppage. I I, I highly doubt that. You know that that there, there's there's no player who's part of the union, and I could be wrong. There could be one or two, but I highly doubt it. You know that there's any player still around from the last work stoppage, but there is a history 
with the Major League Baseball Players Association where they stick together. And you have the legacy of someone like Kurt Flood. And I think that has meaning for the players. And the idea that they have to stand up. I don't think there's a a player in the game that doesn't know about Kurt Flood or the old reserve clause. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have to know. I mean, if you and I know about it, then, I mean, certainly any player who is going to be directly affected would would know. And and if there's a kid who doesn't know about it, the veterans are telling them about it and say, we as a union, we stick together. So that was miscalculation number one. And and then I think beyond that, um, you know, the, the whole thing about the fans, and I've said this all along, especially after the winter we've been through, Spring training has meaning. Hearing Corey Provis and Dan Gladden call a spring training game is meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Driving around on a weekday or or on a weekend and hearing a ball game in Florida, that's, that's good. That's good for the soul. It's kind of like spring is coming. And, and look, we're, we're going to get some cold days. How great would it be on these few cold days we've got to get through here at the end of the week We'd have a spring training ball game, so so that's another miscalculation. It's, 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 along the, it's the, way. the turning of the page, right? I mean, we yeah, we feel sure. we feel like we're getting into spring, we're getting into summer because okay, and the NFL's over, and you know we're getting to the you know down the stretch with the NBA. Well, the NHL. NFL's never over. Yeah, and that, and that's true. <laughs> you know, the off- I mean, my God, we started out talking about Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. I mean, well, what does that tell you right there? Yeah, but in in terms of you know, Major League Baseball, they, they can really, like, people love opening day. Opening day, people are like, oh, it should be a national holiday. Yeah, now, I don't like that they'll play one game in Japan, and then they'll play a couple more spring training, and then all of a sudden there's, you know, two, to me it's yeah. like, it's got to be, I know ESPN wants a Sunday night thing, but I, I like, like, the Monday, opening day, baseball, Cincinnati. all day long. Yes, get, you know, get, give me Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. I will yeah. watch it. It's like people love that, and they are completely underestimating the importance of that. But again, I, I just people are getting frustrated, and they're these people are not going to keep coming back. Oh my God, Major League Baseball! Thank you, thank you, thank you. People aren't going to do that anymore, Steve. People well, are going to—they're going to be throwing up deuces. They're going to be burning the bridges, going nuclear. As fans are on the way out, saying, "Hey, it's been real." Well, and there's a couple of things that may come out of this. Now, I know ultimately for them they're fighting about money, but when we come back, there could be some big changes coming to the game, and some of those I don't mind. And and we'll get into that in a moment here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. Players, owners continue to meet. Could we get a deal tonight? We'll keep our fingers crossed and see baseball sooner than later. Um, as part of all of this, players have decided to give ground on the implementation of some rule changes. Pitch clock is one. I, I think this is more of a gimmick. I'm not sure how they're going to do that. I mean, I'm fine with it. Anything to where the pitcher gets the ball and toes the rubber and is ready to throw another pitch. Uh, get the batters in the batter's box. You know, the stepping out and adjusting everything from head to toe. No more Garcia Parra. I hate that. 
Absolutely. You know, that, that that's the kind of stuff that they got to get rid of. And, and the players and the owners should be in agreement on that. Um, the shift. Now, there, there's a lot of arguments. A lot of purists say, well, you know, you should be able to do what you want if you want to put, you know, uh, you know, eight guys on the right side of the infield, you should be able to do it. Or seven guys, because you need a pitcher, you need a catcher. But my point being is, is that e- even if banning the shift is is put into play, I'm fine with it. I, I I'm not a huge fan of the shift. You see these guys come up, and um, you know, I I don't like the look. I think it's silly. Um, so I I don't know you about you, Chris, but if they banned the shift, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think it's ridiculous that they're going to ban the shift. Okay. You should be able to play defense the way they want. What's next? If you want to put seven guys on the right side of the infield? Yes, if, if, you okay. don't, if you don't have the ability to go the opposite way or be a better contact hitter, if, you know, if they put seven guys on the left side of the infield and Miguel Sano can't hit the ball through the hole between first and second... Why should the defense be penalized for that? I mean, I, it's, it's ridiculous to me. I mean, w- what's next? Oh, well, in, you know, in the NFL, well, guess what? Y- you, can't, you can't throw the ball when you got two high safeties. Guess what? No, they're playing. The, no, you can't do that. It's like these teams are going to scheme the way that they're going to scheme. I, I think the pitch clock is gimmicky. I think everything else is gimmicky. But the shift, that is a managerial decision. And... I, I think that's utterly ridiculous. If the players can't capitalize on it, if you if you can't execute, then why should the defense be penalized for playing into your weakness? Yeah, and then the, another one is that uh, they they want to go with a larger base, and I'm like, oh come um, on, that that was another one. I, and I, I don't even have a beef with with that in reality. If they want to put in a pitch clock or the shift or or a, a slightly larger base, um, you know, I I'm I'm fine with that. I just want to know what's going to be done, and th- this is something that is has been discussed uh, about more balls in play. Mm-hmm. Where it's not strikeouts and it's not home runs. That's up to the players. To, I mean, major league, you can't gimmick more contact. I mean, yeah. uh, unless you're going to throw underhand and you got to have the, you know, you're well, going to pitch. I, like I totally agree. You know, I, 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 I totally agree. There, there, there's no way to gimmick that. Now, there's a couple of things you can do to uh, keep at bats more reasonable. And I and I think this would increase strikeouts, which I don't necessarily think people go to the ballpark to see a lot of strikeouts, is call the strike zone from the letters to the knees, which it is not. It, you, you never see the it's, high strike it, called it, it, it in MLB. Be. I mean, the yeah the the the, let, the letters to the knees exactly over the. It doesn't happen. Why why does it have to be so subjective? Like what based on your know, Ricky Henderson had that really low crouch that I think his. You know, his strike zone was, you know, like what, like a literally like an inch by like two square inches or something. But yeah, the strike zone is the strike zone. It shouldn't matter. I To me, that's part of just having more consistency. And that's just MLB allocating some better resources into some of their training. Well, and beyond that, it doesn't look like the players are going to uh, Agree to a robo umpire or an automated strike zone or anything like that. That that that's going to be a lot longer fight, and and I get it. 
I, I want I would like though, and and this has been brought up and and I heard an interview with Tim Cheetah, uh, Minnesota guy, former major league umpire, and it was really an interesting thought. He said one of the things you need to do is is get rid of that arbitrary strike zone that they put on every pitch on every television broadcast because what you're seeing from the center field camera and the Fox box or whatever you call it, it isn't reality. It, it isn't reality at all. And you're doing the fans of, of, at home a disservice because it makes the umpires look like they're doing a terrible job. And, you know, I ask any fan, and, and I've umpired before. Now, now, granted, it was youth baseball. It ain't easy. Even umpiring a youth baseball game or a softball game. You know, so I, I think when you're putting a tool on television, I, I think you're lying to the viewers because that's not really the strike zone. But at the same time, you've got to have an expectation of where that ball is going to be. What what should we expect when you've got things that are so far outside of what that? Because we're talking but, about, but, the, but we're talking but about. The, but but, the, but Steve, the, the strike zone though is the same thing that you and I were just talking about the the letters to the knees. I mean, it's it's literally just showing you this is the area that should be the strike zone. It, what what should be the strike zone, but but the angles are deceiving, and that was Cheetah's point in that interview that I heard, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it, but it gives the people and the vast majority of MLB fans watch on television or listen on the radio. They're they're not at the ballpark any given day, and you don't have an angle where you can see the strike zone. But the people like my dad who watch a game at home are like these umpires are terrible. Cheetah's point is is that. It's a goofy angle. If you look at the center field camera, it's not directly behind the pitcher. It's not directly lined up with the pitcher and the catcher and home plate. It's at an angle. So whatever they're creating on television isn't a true representation of the strike zone. It is doing the umpires and the game uh, a disservice. I, I couldn't agree more. There's got to be better training on what the strike zone is for every player. And, and call that, but I don't think the Fox box that, that you see or whatever it is, uh, the Bally Sports North box, is doing anybody any favors either. All right, they continue to meet. No news. The good news is they are meeting. Are we going to get a deal? Who knows? 7.30, uh, we've got a whole lot more, including an update on gambling, sports gambling here in the state of Minnesota. There is a bill moving forward. Representative Zach Stevenson from Coon Rapids will join us here on News Talk. 830-WCCO. Sports to the max here on a Tuesday night. Timberwolves tomorrow night. They get Oklahoma City. Our coverage at 630. Tip after 7. Cal Soderquist and then Alan Horton. Maxie is returning on Thursday night here on Sports to the Max. Well, the legislature is meeting. Uh, we, we've heard about the potential for a sports gambling bill. And uh, one of the authors of that bill joins us on the line, Representative Zach Stevenson. Uh, Dia Feller from Coon Rapids joins us on the line. Representative, good to visit with you tonight. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Uh, sports gambling. Uh, it sounds like. Uh, there are a lot of people on board. There's bipartisan support that uh, the Native American gaming interests are on board. Uh, sounds like all good so far. You no, know, it's been a long road to get to this point. 
Uh, I first said I was going to try and get this passed back in November, and since then, I've really been working hard trying to pull together a coalition of people behind it, talking to all of the interested parties, whether, you know, you mentioned the 11 sovereign tribes in Minnesota. That's had me traveling to all corners of the state. I've been all the way up to uh, Red Lake uh, Nation up in northwestern Minnesota and all the way down to downtown Minneapolis where Sports Radar, a sports data company is. I've just been working uh, pound on the pavement, trying to get as friends and as much perspective on how we can build a Minnesota-specific sports betting uh, model uh, that works. And I think we're making a lot of progress, and it, it uh, showed today we had our first committee hearing in the House, and uh, we passed the bill out 14 to 4, uh, bipartisan bill. We had support from both Democrats and Republicans. It's a great first step. Yeah, and let's talk real quickly about the bill, what it would look like, how it's structured. Now we have limited time here on the radio, maybe a Cliff Notes version of what the bill is about. Absolutely. So if this bill passes, Minnesotans will be able to go uh, to a brick-and-mortar sports betting lounge in casinos across the state. They'll also be able to place bets on sports from their mobile phone in a competitive marketplace with several different operators when we're talking like DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, uh, will likely be able to play. Uh, it'll be operated uh, by uh, the tribes. You know, they're the subject matter experts when it comes to gaming in Minnesota, so they can be our trusted partners as we're making the biggest change to gambling law in 40 years. And it, it is uh, one of those things that will generate some revenue for the state of Minnesota, but not as much as people would think. That's right. So, you know, for two reasons. One, sports betting is a high-volume, low-margin business, which means that the amount of revenue is not as big as people think. The other thing to think about is that we are really trying to move people from the black market into the legitimate market. What I mean is, uh, you know, we have people who can already bet on sports in Minnesota. They just got to go to these digital web, these uh, shady websites and digital workarounds. Uh, so if we tax the legitimate market too high, People will just continue to go to those shady websites. So we need to keep taxes low. There's a few things we need to fund. We want to make sure that we're funding the regulations, the consumer protections. We want to make sure that we're funding problem gaming, you know, treatment uh, and programming around problem gaming. And then the last thing, I I want to devote 40% of the tax money we collect from this uh, towards investing in youth sports with an emphasis on places that are experiencing high levels of juvenile crime. Juvenile crime's way up in Minnesota, totally unacceptable. And the thing is, we know youth sports makes a difference because when kids are playing sports, they're not getting into trouble doing something else. Uh, 14 to 4 in committee, uh, but it takes a long way to get through committee in the House, then uh, the Senate, and then uh, typically uh, the House and the Senate uh, conferees need to get together before it ultimately ends up on the governor's desk. Uh, what about the Senate side? What about the governor? What have you heard on this bill? Well, the Senate, uh, they have a bill. Uh, it's a little different than the House, as you mentioned, but I think it's one that we can work out the differences, so I'm feeling optimistic. And then today, the governor said he would sign a bill if the legislature passes it. So uh, we really have a lot of momentum. I think this is the year that we're going to get it done. Um, how soon could this start? Because... Uh, Minnesota is sort of an island right now when it comes to sports gambling. Uh, the states around us, many states in the country, have uh, 
added sports gambling of some sort. And every state is completely different. Um, when could this start ultimately? You know, that's a great question. You're right. We are an island. Every state and Canada that touches Minnesota has legal sports betting in some form or fashion. Every model is a little different. I think our model will be really good for Minnesotans. I'm optimistic that they'll be able to get it going quickly. There's every incentive to move fast. And so what I always say is I think it's possible, uh, likely even, that we'll have sports betting in time uh, for the NFL season, maybe even by the time the Vikings play the Packers. Wow. Uh, So this is going to move pretty quickly. One of the things we've heard along the way is that there would need to be a restructuring of the gambling compact between the state of Minnesota and uh, Native American gaming interests. Is is that rolled into the bill, or would that, that need to be a separate negotiation? Well, the compacts apply to gambling that occurs on tribal lands. And so for the mobile aspect, for being able to do it from your smartphone, there's no compact. That's totally different, and we just need legislation. To do uh, the, the sports betting lounges, which we, which we envision would be on, at casinos, there would be, have to be a, a new compact between the state and the tribes. Uh-huh. But that would be new and on top of the existing compacts. I don't, we're not going to reopen the old compacts. Now, I've got to ask you, Representative Zach Stevenson, uh, DFL from Coon Rapids, um, why, did, why did you take this on? I mean, there, there, there's, there's a lot of things a legislator could do. What, what, what struck this about, or what, what did this bill uh, appeal to you? Why did you feel like this is something you needed to move forward? Well, you know, uh, it's, a, it's one of these big issues uh, that's out there that's a question of how and if not when as we've already discussed a wave of states have legalized sports betting it would come to minnesota eventually and to me this is important to get right this is the biggest change in our gaming laws in 40 years it has really profound impacts i want to make sure that we have the consumer protections that we have the right market structure that we're uh, uh, protecting people from problem gaming and so it's a really important thing that we get it right, and that's what drew me to it. I also I chair the Commerce Committee in the House. We have jurisdiction over gaming law, so this falls right in sort of my wheelhouse of what I'm responsible to be working on uh, down at the Capitol, uh, and, and it's the biggest issue we've had in that, in that area in 40 years. And it, it's got to be refreshing, and I, I've talked to uh, one of your counterparts, Representative Pat Garofalo, uh, a Republican. Bipartisanship. That's been yeah. a, a, a dirty word, whether it's state government or, or federal government, but to get bipartisan cooperation on a bill like this, that is a good thing. And that, that's a rare thing these days. It absolutely is a very good thing. And, you know, I work very closely with Pat uh, Garofalo. He's a, a friend and a good colleague. And, the, and you're right that gambling uh, is one of those issues that doesn't fall neatly on partisan lines. I do want to just say that St. Paul, uh, our state government, isn't nearly as afflicted by the disease of partisanship as our federal government. You know, there are a lot of issues where we're able to cooperate and work together. They don't always make headlines, but we really do get a lot done uh, across party lines in St. Paul. That's a really good thing. It's one of the reasons why I'm really happy with the job that I get to do at the state legislature and kind of look at Washington, D.C. and go, geez, that's a mess. Yeah. 
Well, uh, Representative Stevens said, I know it's a bill that's getting a lot of attention. There's a lot of other work to be done between uh, now and adjournment. And uh, if, if history tells us anything, there'll probably be some sort of special session uh, to, to sort out unfinished business. But are you optimistic this is something that, that could get to the finish line uh, before the end of this session? I, I mean, where do you, 60-40, 70-30, what's your thought at the moment? Yeah, I'm very optimistic. I thought today's vote was a very productive sign. When you have something that's passing 14 to 4 out of committee with a lot of support from both parties, uh, I think that that's a very good sign. We're getting a lot of great feedback from the people who work on it. And you're right, there are a lot of issues, but, you know, that's part of the reason why I said that it's so important that we spend the money generated by this tax on something that affects one of the most pressing issues that we're facing today, which is juvenile crime. You know, a lot of the crime you read about in, in, in the paper or maybe even experience these carjackings, these car thefts, it's kids doing it. And uh, we, there, there's no simple solution, no simple explanation for why the crime rate's going up. But one thing we do know is that programming, youth sports, things like that, that makes a difference. You keep kids busy doing something constructive. They're not doing something destructive, right? So, so it's important. That's an important part of the bill. All right. Well, good to visit with you. Thanks for the time. Thank you. I come back anytime. All right. There he is, Representative Zach Stevenson, DFL, Coon Rapids, on uh, the sports gambling bill. Made it out of committee, and there's a lot of optimism that this will happen here in 2022. When we come back, we've seen rapid expansion of sports gambling in the country. And now we've got a gambling controversy in the NFL. An NFL player has been suspended for gambling. We'll we'll get into that in a moment here on News Talk. E3O-WCCO. Quick timeline here. Once upon a time to place a legal sports wager in this country, a legal sports wager, you had to go to Nevada, you had to go to Vegas and go to the sports book and lay down a wager. I've done it. It's kind of fun. Um... Now, now you could go to a local tavern or watering hole and get involved in illegal sports gambling, uh, 100-number boards at work, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, many of us have participated in that. Then there was the advent of fantasy sports. And I had been in fantasy. I took this year off. Uh, I'll throw that out there. But many years. Come back many, to us, Steve. Come back many, to us. Now you, don't need, you, don't need, you guys don't want me back. I'm out. Um, but then fantasy sports, and they, they've been around now for a long time. Um, and then the Supreme Court decision that said, you know what, Nevada can't have this monopoly. It opened the door for legal sports gambling. It's been legal in Europe, the U.K. for a long, long time. They've had betting parlors and so on and so forth. So finally it's come to the States. It, it's eventually going to come to Minnesota Is this the year. Uh, surrounding states have it legalized sports gambling. Well, there's also sports leagues, and this goes back to the Black Sox scandal. If you've seen the movie Eight Men Out, one of my favorite sports movies, by the way, about that Black Sox scandal and Shoeless Joe Jackson and and the players that threw the World Series. And there's still some debate as Shoeless Joe Jackson, was he actually guilty? Should he have been banned for life? Uh, We've heard about Pete Rose. Baseball has always been, there's no gambling on baseball. That is the cardinal sin. That's what's kept Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame. So, 
Other leagues, a little bit more murky. Uh, the assumption would be, and I'm not familiar with the rule book in the NBA or the NHL or Major League Soccer or the NFL, but the assumption is you probably can't bet on NFL games. If you are a player or a coach or a team official or a referee, you can't gamble on your own sport. That's my assumption here. Well, Calvin Ridley, uh, he has been suspended by the league for gambling And he will miss the entire 2022 season uh, for betting on NFL games during his time away from Atlanta last season. Ridley missed most of last season in order to work on his mental health and said via Twitter that he bet a total of 1,500 on NFL games. Some of those Atlanta games, but always to win, and other players and coaches weren't weren't aware of his activities. So it, it gets back to one thing. The leagues have now embraced gambling. First, fantasy sports. Now it's just flat out their big sponsors, these sports books of of all pro sports. So now we're getting into that area of what are the rules and what are the penalties. And and Chris, this this is where it gets really tricky. Uh, they're making an example out of Calvin Ridley for sure, but. We all know MLB. There's absolutely no betting on baseball. That's made crystal clear to the players when they sign their first pro contract. And that goes back over 100 years to the Black Sox scandal. I would assume all the other leagues have crystal clear policies. Mm -hmm. You can gamble. You just can't gamble. On NBA games. Well, well, some of these teams, Steve, I mean... they partnered up with casinos. They, the Dallas Cowboys oh, sure. have their, I believe they're, you know, they're in bed with the Golden Nugget. And <clears throat> here's the thing about this that, that I don't quite understand. These players can be on fantasy teams, and they're blatantly like Austin Eckler running back for the Chargers. He's like, hey, yeah, let me know if you drafted me, da-da-da-da-da. Well, you hear all of this, and the NFL has absolutely embraced this, but yet... You're going to get on Calvin Ridley for putting down like a three-team parlay. I mean, I just—it's just so hypocritical to me. Well, so and, and 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 here's the thing: this this tells me that there's got to be a much clearer policy that the players, the coaches, and the fans understand. What are the rules? What can you the players gamble on? Coaches, etc. Gonna be a bigger issue going forward. We'll have the news at eight coming up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 